morning. It's good to see each and every one of you here. It's nice to see a big crowd in here this morning. It's always good when the whole family gets here together. Hallelujah. That is awesome. And if you guys are like me, you're trying to figure out whether this is winter, fall, or summer, as we are in Texas. Uh, this past week, I was uh, up in Grand Prairie, and there were some uh, folks at a chaplaincy class, and they were from Boston, and those poor guys were struggling. Uh, they said, I thought it was winter. I said, I, you know, give us a couple of hours. It may be in just a few minutes, just the way it is here. But it's good, good to see all you guys this morning. It's great. And to Remy and Ryder, man, God bless you guys. That is going to be so awesome when you all put those Dallas Cowboy jerseys on and your linebackers, really, those guys. Just remember your church is the only thing that, that I say, so. This morning we're going to be speaking about love. We're going to take a little bit of a different approach. This is the second Sunday of Advent. So I, I want to talk uh, about Christmas, but I ask some questions. What does this Christmas season mean to a spouse that has lost their mate, to a mother that has lost a child, a child that has lost a parent, or children that are living in poverty, or those that are protecting us? or miles and miles away from their families, or missionaries that are in other parts of the world. What does this Christmas season mean? Far too often we view this time of Christmas as a time of, hey, we may get a Christmas bonus. Hey, we get some time off. We're not at school for two weeks. Uh, we get gifts. People are going to give me something. Or there are parties. The sad part about it is, is that we want to have a party in honoring an incredible, special person. But so often during this season, we forget to invite that special person. We know the Christmas story. We know it all too well. In fact, uh, the better we know it and more often we're reminded of it, the more we begin to take it for granted and the greater chance we lose the true meaning of Christmas. We forget the birth of Jesus as the simple beginning for our salvation. The announcement that was made was made to shepherds who were tending their sheep. The angel of the Lord said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the city of David, there is born for you a child. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. The fact that God made this announcement to shepherds helps us understand the real meaning of Christmas. God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten son, and he chose to announce it to shepherds first. Shepherds who were at the opposite end of the social status ring, opposite from what the king was, opposite from all influential people. They lived with animals in a field. They had no social status. Most people did not respect them. They had no power and no prestige, yet God came to them with this announcement. In this very simple announcement, it demonstrates God's unconditional, everlasting love that is revealed to each of us. It's love divine. 
It also tells us that no matter how insignificant you may think you are, you are important to God. All through scripture, we see God honoring and using people and things in the world that most of us overlook or we just completely ignore. God selected the mother for his child, not from a beauty or fashion salon. He looked past riches. He looked into the heart of an obedient servant. We see another time where he takes from a dungeon someone that to interpret a message and he elevates him to the highest position in the Egyptian government. So this Sunday, the second Sunday of Advent, we want to be looking at love, which is in fact God. I want to first look at love on this earth. To whom did you last say, I love you? And did you really mean it? How often do we have a confrontation with someone and you end it by going, it's okay, brother, I I love you. And you walk away. But the Lord knows what's going through your head as you walk away. Who told you that they loved you? Who was the last one that told you that they loved you? Were there statements that have been made about love or similar to the woman that is unwrapping the chocolate candy bar? And says, oh, I love this chocolate. Sometimes we say love and we just throw it out there. And we're going to talk about more about how in our language we just abuse that word. I'll tell you a story of a man and his friend who were playing golf one day. And one of the guys was getting ready to, to uh, putt. And as he prepared for the shot, he saw out of the corner of his eye, a funeral procession that was going down the road on the side of the golf course, the side of the hole where they were playing. And the man stopped and took his cap off and got on his knees and bowed his head and prayed. And a friend said, wow, that's the most thoughtful and touching thing I think I've ever seen. I can't believe how great it was for you to stop. Stop in the middle of your golf game because of that funeral profession procession that was passing by what thoughtfulness and the man as he was getting up putting his cap back on he replied yes I thought it was the least I could do after all we'd been married for 35 years that's what so many of us do we give a nod to God as we continue our business as usual So does love change on this earth? There's someone that loves you the same way every day, unconditionally. He has never loved you any more, and he will never love you any less. God loves you so much that he sent his son, that little baby, that would ultimately die on the cross so that you could live with him forever. So he wants us to unwrap this gift of love this morning. And as we do that, my prayer this morning was, God, don't let this be about me. This is all about you. Because I am human and I struggle with some of the things that we're going to talk about this morning about love. About how love on this earth is so very, very often conditional. So I want to unpack this in a non-traditional way for Christmas. 
So if you'll grab your Bibles and turn to the first John, the fourth chapter. I'm going to begin in the seventh verse. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this, the love of God was manifest in us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. In this love, not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us and sent his son to, to be our appropriation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever beheld God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have beheld and bear witness that the father sent his son to be the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God abides in him and he in God. And we come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this love is perfected within us, that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, because as he is also, we are in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfected love casts out fear, because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears has not perfected, is not, was not been perfected in love, We love because he loved us first. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And and this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God should love his brother also. Nothing in this passage specifically speaks about the birth of a baby in Bethlehem. Yet this is one of the most beautiful Christmas passages in the Bible because it captures the real essence of what Christmas is about. It's about love. Verse 9, in one sentence, God tells love in Christmas. It says, this love of God was manifested in us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. Then John reinforces the same ideas in verse 10 and 14 when he repeats the idea of God manifests love toward us by sending his only son into this world. The fact that God loves us should not be a surprise at all because God's very nature is love and we all understand that. But what might be a surprise to us is the nature of his love for that is biblical love. That because it's nothing like the way our culture tends to view love. So can we look at a couple of things this morning? First, this passage teaches us about genuine love. It helps us understand who God is. Knowing him better helps us grow our relationship with him. And since we are to love others in the same way, God helps us with our relationships with each other. The second thing is what this passage teaches us about what love does, about this gift. And this gift is an action word for us. You see, love acts. 
It is unfortunate in English we only have one word for love. We use the same word when we say, I love my kids, I love pizza, I love the cowboys, I love this, I love God. You see, we use love to describe an emotional response to someone or to something. The Greeks, on the other hand, had at least four words that they used for different words to describe various kinds of love. And the one that they used most here is agape. Agape is used over 300 times in the New Testament. John, in this passage we read, used it over 25 times. It is an unconditional love that God has for us. And it's that word unconditional that we struggle with on this earth. You see, nothing in this passage indicates that God's love for us is an emotional, is emotion or a feeling. That's not to say that God doesn't have feelings for us, although not exactly the way we think about emotions. For instance, the Bible reveals that both God the Father and Jesus had compassion toward humans at various times. And later in the passage, God's love manifests not by feelings, but by action. Sending his only son for us to be born in humble surroundings. To live in the midst of human sin and depravity and to be that way for over 30 years. And then to die on the cross in order to be the sacrifice for our sins. In the third chapter of 1 John, he introduces the fact that love is not merely an emotion, nor is expressed only by words. Not the words we we just say, but actions. It's the action we take. 1 John 3.18 says, Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but by deed and in truth. I tell Melanie all the time that I love her. And I love her deeply and I love her sincerely. And it's taken me a while to begin to understand that it's not my words, but my actions, that she understands the depth of my love. And I think we struggle with that in relationships, in all relationships, just not in marriage. That's the depth of the love that God has for us. Number two, love acts even when the other person does not deserve it. God didn't wait to send his son to this earth because we were doing something really good. Gosh, we would still be waiting, wouldn't we? No, he sent it when we really didn't deserve it. Romans 5, 6. For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone would dare even die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Repeatedly we see God loving his people even when we do not deserve it. So in our relationships with others, we need to love them. Sometimes when they don't deserve to be loved. We need to be willing to take actions for the good of the other person, even when they don't deserve it. It's not about us. It's about them. This also pertains to our own families, as well as Jesus told us it pertains to our enemies. 
Jesus talked about this on the Sermon on the Mount when he talked about turning the other cheek and letting the enemy have your cloak and going that extra mile. We do a pretty good job of this during Christmas time. We give to others. We give to others we do not know. We give to others so often that may not deserve it. But why is this limited to a holiday season? We are called to be this way every day. The third thing is, is that love acts even when there is nothing to gain. Not only are we not deserving of God's love, but God sent his son to this earth when there didn't appear to be much in it for him. You see, he did it knowing that most people would reject this gift of love. He did it knowing that as time went on, we would go further and further away from this blessing that he had sent to this earth. You know, love is risky like that. Sometimes when we do loving things, the other person doesn't acknowledge. They don't even say thank you. And we get all offended. You know, guys say thank you different than ladies. You know, guys will do something for another guy, and the guy will go, thanks. That's it. It's over. There's a period at the end of that thanks. Ladies, they'll say thank you, and then they'll send a card, and then they'll call, and then they'll send another card, which is great. We're just wired different. So don't get after your husband and go, have you sent two cards yet? No. In Luke 17, where Jesus cleansed the ten lepers, only one, a Samaritan, cried out loudly to God and fell on his face at the feet of Jesus and gave thanks. In other cases, there are people that will absolutely reject you trying to help them. Don't let that stop you. Continue to love them. And yet again, we see non-believers and we see believers that during Christmas time, they do really wonderful things so they can say, look what I did. This is not about you. This is about God's love and how much he loves you. Do things to bring glory to his kingdom, not to you. And the fourth thing is, is when love acts, it changes hearts. We see in verse 18 when John writes that perfect love cast out fear. It was God's loving act of sending his son to this earth so that we might live through him that makes it all that possible. John points out here that it's the act and not just God's word that makes it possible for us not to fear but to seek forgiveness. C.S. Lewis speaks to this principle in a book, Mere Christianity, where he, when he writes, do not waste time bothering whether you love your neighbor as if you did. As soon as we do this, we find out one of the great secrets. When we are behaving as if we love someone, we will presently come to love him. In other words, I need to let my actions change my heart rather than letting my emotions dictate my actions. We need to grasp the love of God, the love of Jesus. We have heard how to, how to determine what this passage teaches about genuine love. Let's see real quickly about what we do with this gift of love, this gift that God gives us. 
as, our, as a believer, our gift, our actions of this gift, makes this love alive in our lives, and it makes it alive in lives around us. So the first thing we have to do is you actually have to receive it. It's like any gift you're given, you've got to unwrap it. You have to receive it. Does no good if you don't receive it. John gives us some clues as to how to do that. John tells us that Jesus is sent as the Savior of the world. But in verse 15, we also see that not everyone receives this gift. Verse 7 reminds us that loving God requires knowing him. So as we receive this gift of love, we begin to know him deeper. That's true of any loving relationship. The more you get to know people, the more you love them. The more you get to know God, the more you're going to love him. The more you get into his word and the more that you're in prayer time with him, you're going to know him better. It also helps us understand that term that we hear so often, that we abide in him and he in us. And it's deepening that relationship as to how we do that. John is clear that we're to love others. It is impossible to love God whom we have not seen if we do not love our brothers and sisters who we have seen. The best depth of a love that you have for God is always going to be to the extent in which you love one another. God wants to let his love flow through us. This is the same charge that Jesus gave to his disciples. He said, you are to love one another. So we need to focus during this season that God loved us so much and so deeply that he acted on that sacrificial love by sending his only son to this earth. And that love, that little baby changed everything. God has sent something that's irrefutable. It's irrefutable evidence that we are close to God. An irrefutable test by which you can measure your own spiritual growth. In fact, it's so awesome that it leaves a trademark of God that he said would be a major declaration of your faith. Jesus put it this way, by this they shall know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. Francis Schaeffer, a great Christian apologetic, said this, love is the final apologetic. It is the defense for which there is no defense. God's love is more than functional love. It's a fiery love, a love with passion, a love with commitment. We all have a birthmark that everyone should see, and we should be glad to show it. That birthmark is a birthmark of love. Without it, others really may not know whether we are following Jesus. The message of Christmas comes clear in Isaiah 9, 6. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. So this morning, can you grasp the love of God that he has for you? There's a way that you can grasp these words, and it's in your action. Oh, you can come and you can sit And you can absorb the word and go about your business Monday. 
or you can begin to live it. You can begin to live your life so others see that the love of God is within you and you share it with others. Make the love of God personal to you. Live it. As we prepare our hearts to take communion, may we celebrate this gift of love from God. And let us not forget the beginning of where this heavenly banquet came from. Out of a never-ending love for you and a gracious desire to have eternal relationship with you, God gave a small child, placed him in a manger, and began such an awesome, awesome tour revelation of how we should love one another and how much he loves us. Spend time loving one another and loving Jesus. This little baby's purpose was to give you an opportunity to spend eternity with God. Amen. Amen.